Welcome to the Weekly Notebook Review. I am Robert McGrorty. This podcast takes on a bit of a different format where we are live each week on Twitter Spaces. I crack open my notebook and review Hedgeye research with anyone who wants to learn a better way to invest. We feature both Hedgeye power users as well as some special guests that might pop in. If you want to learn more about our research, visit Hedgeye.com. If you'd like to participate in the live stream, follow me on Twitter at HedgeyeRJM. Now, let's review the data. All right. So thank you again for everybody uh, tuning in. I guess put out the poll out there and folks wanted to maybe get a little chit chat going tonight. So we're, we're, uh, we're going to do it. Let's do it. We'll, uh, so it's uh, Tuesday, January 10th, about 830 on the East Coast. Uh, interesting. Well, not really that interesting. Just uh, <laughs> the S&P went to the top end of the risk range. Um, you know, so uh, we came into the day with uh, shouldn't be surprised with the S&P down 3.3% to the low end of the range. And that just simply didn't happen. Um, so really, at the end of the day, it's not that big a deal. It's just math. It can go to either either side, and it can also trade in the middle of the range. So um, now we just got to kind of go through and, and evaluate, evaluate, excuse me, um, what uh, what's transpiring within the signal. You know, what uh, what is what's what's the data out there looking like? Has anything changed? Should we be um, updating our view or anything like that? And the uh, answer to all of those is absolutely nothing has changed. The view remains the same. The data continues to come in uh, in a very, very poor data, you know, uh, call it. Yeah. So, you know, everything's continuing to do exactly what we think it should do. And now it's just a matter of navigating the very immediate term um, shifts in in the uh, in the price action within really U.S. oriented um, assets. Right. If you go through uh, just a little some, some kind of numbers here as we get into the, you know, the conversation tonight. But um, we got XLK down hold on a second let me just pull it up xok sorry i had it up and then it disappeared uh xok down 2.74 percent in the last month xly down negative 3.24 percent in the last month these are all uh month you know uh, basically percent one month percent change moves uh the leader of the pack is uh, energy xle at plus 7.37 percent uh, but you've got uh, crude oil, which is uh, up 4.73% in the last month. Um, but that low end of the risk range on, on crude, and I'll, I'll get the kind of commodities in a minute, but just where I'm talking about energy, uh, the low end of the risk range is almost a new three-month low. It's, uh, it's basically like a few pennies above the, uh, the, the low end, uh, sorry, the, the, the three-month low in the look back. Uh, but that three, the three-month high in that look back window is at 92.61%, or sorry, $92.61, which is approximately 24% higher from here. Or uh, to think about it differently, we are 19, about 19% off the highs of crude. So that's a pretty wide gap in regards to the uh, where we came from just uh, within the last three months and uh, where we then went to, uh, right, and, 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 and the risk range and what it's indicated, which is basically uh, momentum remains to the downside. So, uh, you know, energy's had a huge, uh, I'd say, a pretty, pretty big bounce here in the last one month. Because then, if you look at the three-month percentage, it's uh, it's almost eleven percent at ten point eight zero. So again, these numbers don't lie, right? Um, XLC. So you know, in there is Meta um, and Google, Netflix, etc. So you saw 
meta on the risk range shift to a neutral um, a, a neutral signal, um, and Netflix continues to have that bullish trend. So again, XLC is not necessarily um, shifting from from a trend standpoint. You know, I don't actually have that uh, information from Keith, but um, it is up plus three point nine percent in the last month. So uh, you know, as we talked about last week, and, and I think it was Brian who mentioned shorting Meta, and you know that that signal is confirming right now at this point in time. You know, moving to neutral. That's really that there's probably, you know, that there's other areas to, to hunt and, and better places to be. And the fact that both uh, tech and consumer discretionary remain, uh, you know, negative in the last, you know, uh, in the last month um, in negative territory. I mean, it really tells you right there, as I was mentioning last week on this call, you know, tech continues to, could, you know, have a very, very weak signal and you're, you're seeing that right now. Right. So uh, the, the risk range today uh, from the you know from the daily risk range product that we get on an immediate term basis was, was mirrored the trend range that we got yesterday from for the ETF Pro product. So uh, that should also tell you something in return in regards to the vol vol within that asset class within uh, the tech XLK ETF itself. Uh, so again, just kind of keep your eye on on what's ha- happening across the board within uh, you know both the risk ranges on uh, regardless of the asset class. You know, I do want to highlight as well um, OIH, which we had uh, been short for a very, sh- you know, a pretty quick minute. Uh, that was a great cover by Keith and, and a signal because that thing's up 9.83%, sorry, 9.83% in last week. So great cover by by Keith on, on the OIH, on that uh, portion of the energy and really energy as a whole. Because as I said, XLE has been a leader of the pack here in regards to the traditional or the kind of more core U.S. sectors. Um but, uh, but another good one there inside of the portfolio has been GDX. Again, you know, I don't want to kind of just rhyme, up, rhyme off all the numbers, but it, it's important, right? So I'm looking at these on a one-month basis, GDX up uh, 11.38%. Uh, again, you know, this is a, a core asset allocation inside of the portfolio. Uh, and then another one that would be on the short side would be, <clears throat> excuse me, regional banks and the kind of small caps that or the small, small mid caps that live within there and it's flat on a, on a one month basis. So uh, again, just kind of, you know, reiterating some of these things, some of the things that are jumping out to me on the page here on a Tuesday night rather than a Wednesday night. Uh, it's, it's again, I'm just going to reiterate the fact that it's really important to kind of look across the board and that kind of thing. So uh, <laughs> crazy enough, as much as S and P, you know, it uh, might feel like it's been, up for for days on end and when is it going to go back down it's uh it's still in negative territory on a one month basis so it's down uh 34 basis points on a one month basis uh down 16.07 percent over the last year and and uh just a measly plus 2.49 percent in the last week so you know definitely uh other places where you probably been felt like a squeeze or what have you uh but up two and a half percent uh call it in the last week really isn't much to write home about given the fact that we remain in the chop bucket. And when you're in a quad four environment, those volatility moves can be uh, quite, quite robust. Uh, Keith alluded to that on the macro show today where, you know, imagine we had, uh, you know, 11% daily moves in in the S and P or Q's or what have you uh, that you saw back in 08. And even um, I don't think we got quite to that extreme in in 2020, but definitely saw a couple of days there. Uh, if memory serves in the sort of four, five, six, seven, eight, I don't know if it was eight actually, uh, but, you know, definitely in that those, uh, mid single digits uh, and those, those are big moves, you know, we're, we're, we haven't quite gotten back to that. We've had 
what that uh, that day in, <coughs> excuse me that day in November um, on the CPI or post the CPI that was I think about a seven percent move if memory serves. Uh, but again, you know, so we've had uh, anyway the, the, these these moments in time. Um, you know, I think it's really just important to kind of come come back, reassess. You know, take a moment this evening to kind of go through the numbers, go through where the price action has been, where we currently stand today, and then look at you know go beyond just uh, equities themselves. Um, so if we get into the bond market and really looking at glo- global rates, <clears throat> you know, again, these are one month changes uh, and I'm going to list them off as uh, as basis points but the Japanese 10 years uh, plus 25 bips or or a hundred percent so that's been that bad boy's been a double uh, the Swiss 10 year is plus 22.4 four basis points and that's been one of the leaders there and again that's a very um, important country certainly from a currency standpoint and on the 10 year it's uh, almost up about 19 percent in the last uh, month alone. The German 10-year is up, again, almost about 18.5% or 35.5 basis points. Uh, the UK uh, or the, the Great British 10-year ten, um, up 11.85% uh, in the last one month or 37.7 basis points. Uh, the US 10-year, on the other hand, is only up 2.2 bips. And um, uh, that's about you know 62 basis points in terms of percentage terms. So uh, you know, US 10-year really doesn't look like the rest of the, of the world. Um, where you're seeing a lot of double digits to, um, yeah, uh, low teens to, to high teens in regards to percentage change, uh, you know, uh, adjustments on, in the last month. And again, that's, uh, that's with the move here in the U.S. up 2.4% uh, day over day and at around 100, you know, 119.52. Uh, so again, the move is telling you um, that, Nothing's really changing here from a volatility standpoint inside of uh, fixed income world or, or the rates world. And the global yields are certainly telling you the exact same thing as well. Uh, so, again, just, you know, we are looking through macro across multiple facets, right? We're not just focused in on the U.S. We're trying to assess what's ha- going to be happening across the board here in 2023. It's still very early innings in, in regards to, uh, you know, year to date, as you know, year-to-date returns, et cetera, et cetera, within 2023. So just keep that in mind. Stay patient out there. Uh, the commodities space as well, you know, I already talked about oil, but uh, in regards to inflation and pivots and, and the Fed pivoting, you're certainly not seeing that from, you know, a lot of core components. Um, I mentioned oil earlier up, uh, you know, four and three quarters percent or almost, you know, copper is up almost 9% last week and five and a half percent last month. Gold's up 4.6%. Silver, on the other hand, is looking a little bit differently than the rest of those, uh, or certainly the precious metals itself in terms of, uh, and or other commodities. It's only up uh, 83 basis points, and it's actually down 1.34% in the last uh, week alone. So uh, keep in mind, you know, so like kind of keep an eye on that silver. Uh, it's obviously remains bullish, bullish uh, trade and trend, um, but certainly acting a little bit differently there versus some of the other uh, components inside of precious metals and commodities itself. Uh, the ag space, again, like this is actually really fascinating to me, right? You got cotton, corn, wheat, cattle, soybeans, all positive on a one-month basis on a percentage change uh, terms as well. So again, these things are all obviously factoring into your CPI. Uh, now, the, on a one-month basis, that might not totally impact what you're seeing from the CPI print that's going to come out on Thursday. 
um, because it's only, you know, a portion of that, you know, funneled into December. Uh, some of this move has happened in the last week. But again, you know, these asset prices and what they're seeing in terms of the Fed and, you know, when they come out with their, uh, with their, with their, uh, the FOMC meeting, excuse me, um, next month, you know, that's going to start to incorporate all of what's happening within, you know, commodities itself and the inflation and Powell today was very much reiterated the fact that that is a number one priority for uh, the Fed and getting that, Fed, you know, that inflation rate back down to 2%. Um, so again, you know, just wanted to reiterate these things here tonight. We can open it up to the floor. We got any questions, that kind of thing. Um, or, you know, and we kind of take this any which way, you know, I think tonight we're going to kind of do a little bit of a different style. Obviously it's all about the notebook, um, ran through that there, uh, in the last kind of 15 minutes or so. But again, you know, I think just reiterating the fact that patience here, quad fours across the board, you're seeing that globally or just, just kind of getting things going here. Um, but yeah, let's kind of open it up. Anybody out there, if you got questions, whether it be implementing the process, whether it be stuff in the notebook, asset prices, what have you, um, by all means, jump in. Let's, uh, let's get this conversation going. Arthur, my friend. Hey, Robert, can you hear me? I can. Welcome. How you doing? I'm great. You know, just uh, got a lovely view of I-95 from the hotel room here in Stanford. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, <laughs> I mean, why, why? <laughs> no better place to be than here talking to my friends on Twitter, right? Via spaces and talking something that we all love, love dearly, which is uh, dominating the, the best game in the world, which is the global capital markets. Right. So um, question on the uh, recent levels sent out on e uh, uh, ETF Pro. Yeah. H high yield and junk seem to hit the uh, break through the top end of the trend range. And I'm wondering if you wanted to comment on that. Yeah. <clears throat> Let me pull and it would, would When would it, I guess, a more of a process question. I mean, it's almost, uh, I mean, I don't know how Keith, you know, he's got his, his patented IP vast <laughs> signal, but but uh, it looks close to they look close to going neutral. Yeah, sorry, uh, sorry, I'm uh, quietly kind of looking at that. Yeah, so here's the thing: <clears throat> each asset class is really going to have like a different kind of parameter as terms of how like the on the look back window you know thinking about it in terms of going back in time with in regards to pricing you know the price volume volatility metrics mm -hmm. um so something that's lower beta or has a a lower or kind of a i guess yeah a, a lower um realized ball component to it um again i have not done this myself but my understanding is that it will take a, a it'll you know typically that signal will incorporate a longer duration versus, you know, in terms of like going beyond just like the three month window, let's just say it goes into six months or maybe even a year, you know, um, and I've talked to some folks who've kind of built their own sort of versions of, of key signal. Um, and that's what they've in, it told me in regards to like the dollar uh, in particular, or even, um, you know, uh, rates. So like global, global rates and stuff like that. Right. So they call it the U S tenure, that kind of thing. So you go back deeper in time, 
So my point of saying that, Arthur, is that I am pretty positive that the if you kind of look peel out beyond just the last three months uh, and you look at even just the last year, kind of going back to early 2020, 2022, um, you know, the we came from call it the 86 level and we're at 76. Right. So uh, I suspect I don't have that trend level myself, like obviously Andy, but I suspect that, that trend um, is I wouldn't say significantly higher from where we are today, but certainly higher from uh, in terms of like uh, not, you know, the, the trend line that is now from a trade standpoint, that might be a slightly different situation. We may be kind of flirting with that level um, in terms of the actual trade line, but, but I don't have that. Uh, so, yes. Yeah, so great question. Uh, and I think it's, it's really one where it depends on the kind of uh, volatility component of that ask class in regards to like how deep in time, which is another reason why I kind of, you know, the Dojin channels that I've shared right uh, on here and, and kind of, and what have you, you know, that's a pretty, that's obviously a static thing in terms of like, just a, you know, very much like that's the three month look back window in terms of, you know, what you're looking at uh, versus having it, you know, you know, for me, when I pull that up on HYG, I know I got to go kind of like deeper and, you know, deeper out in time uh, beyond that box to sort of really get a better picture as to like where the, uh, the the highs and lows are. So if I kind of look back at the highs there on HYG, again, I, I probably wouldn't maybe not go all the way back to like August, but those are around, you know, the 79 and a quarter range, right? So, but that kind of like last high there is really kind of like the level that I would say, um, you know, going back in time in terms of the current risk range, we're like well within what I would consider the kind of longer term look back window uh, and that kind of thing. Okay. That makes sense, Robert. Appreciate your answer. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, of course. Yep. You, uh, I, th- I think you, you, you might get a new nickname of like, you know, HYG. I mean, it's, just, it's, <laughs> I, I, I love, I love the focus on HYG. You know, if, if something's paying you, why not just really hone in on it and focus on it? Right. <laughs> well, it hasn't been paying, it has been paying lately, but, but, but I'm there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, you know, we keep 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 uh, keeps talking about this credit event, and you know that can be um, you can look at a lot of different ways to play that. But uh, the short junk, I think, what last week gave me a little encouragement. So uh, we're in good shape. Uh, absolutely. I mean, if you kind of pull up, you know, basically high yield, right, in terms of the, on the corporate credit side. I mean, the 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 moves there have been quite quite strong, right, in terms of what's transpiring on a one-month basis and what you've seen in rates overall. Um, so, again, I, I would, you know, that's another one where the data continues to showcase the fact that, th- you know, things, um, nothing has changed, right? And, and really, we're just at the incredibly early days, like everything that we've talked about in 2022 um, is really just starting to unfold here in 2023, uh, and, you know, I think I talked about this last week, it was in terms of, you know, what, or it might have been on the beginner's guide, excuse me, Arthur, in terms of kind of, you know, how do you try to, you know, filter uh, companies that, you know, that, that could go through credit default situation. And, and that's, again, this is just kind of starting to transpire, you're getting folks that need to, you know, repaper their paper, right, aka, you know, either roll it out another 12, 12 months or whatever it might be, but they're having to do so 
at rates that are significantly higher than where they were, you know, in negotiations just even just a short 12 months ago, let alone if they were doing it, you know, two, three, four or five years ago. Yeah, I think there's going to have to be, it seems like there's going to be a catalyst to do something uh, with somebody to get this market triggered. Uh, because if you look at the data, the a lot of the, uh, if you're a good CFO, half, you know, carrying your weight, you've already done that. You should have mm-hmm. been doing that, you know, six, 12 months ago. And I think if you look at the data, there's not a whole bunch um, that needs to be recapitalized in 23, 24, it like triples or quadruples. Um, but that's kind of the, the backdrop of higher cost of capital for the you know next six to 12 months. It's, yeah, exactly. it's, it's, it's there. Yeah. They're going to have to do it. Um, I think it's the market's going to have to look ahead and there's going to have to be some kind of a catalyst to get uh, the market, uh, I think, because I did it at the EF, ETF level. I don't do it at the individual company right. level. I just don't operate that way. Yeah. So we'll see. I just want anybody else have any comments I'd appreciate on that. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. No, Arthur, always a pleasure having you up. And, and yeah, and, and listen, I mean, this is, uh, you know, currently in terms of the quad map itself, it says, you know, quad one eventually there by the end of the year. But, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that the, the signal is going to, you know, trade alongside that same quad, right? Uh, so, you know, we're, we're in a very unique situation here. Uh, and again, in the macro themes call from last week, um, you know, one of the, the favorite slides uh, that Keith mentioned, and certainly one that is has become my new favorite, is the you know showing the nuances between you know the basically the drawdowns as well as the intra kind of I guess uh, the pops or what have you, right? In terms of you know where what happened in, in say the Nasdaq, right? And and you know we had there was a couple kind of. 25, 40% sort of moves within over a course of a three year time frame, But we all know what really transpired from, you know, 2000 to 2002, 2003 timeframe and, and the drawdown that occurred. So, you know, again, I mean, I think, you know, just to reiterate kind of the patient standpoint, you know, I think we got to navigate kind of the game inside the game a little bit here, right? And, and HYG, Arthur, you know, it could be one of those things for 2022. And again, I'm not saying this, but like in 2022, HYG might not be the like kind of go-to magnet in terms of kind of, you know, on the short side, maybe it looks something like energy. I I don't know. I'm just kind of picking, you know, again, just from, from a single standpoint, but you know, XLE is currently neutral, but you know, if that goes to to negative or even, you know, real estate, right. XLRE, you know, remains, you know, bearish trend. Um, Coach talked about, I think housing today, ITV. Right. Um, So maybe that, you know, again, it's kind of, talking about or looking at kind of, you know, where we come, what's, you know, what's the potential kind of next shoe to drop and maybe it goes in phases, right, Arthur? Um, you know, it's like HYG was 2022, um, you know, in terms of like the <clears throat> fix, fixing and what have you, you know, maybe it's, you know, <laughs> you know, TLT again in 2023. I don't know yet, right? But we'll, time will tell, that's for sure. <laughs> Thanks, Robert. Um, yeah, of yep. course, man. A signal and uh, signal and noise. What a great, a great name. Well, Seem, uh, thanks for jumping up. Uh, if any other of you have a question or comment, that's right. Oh, what's going on, guys? Hey, Wasim, I'm doing well. 
Uh, just a quick note. I'm just wondering if you know uh, how Ned Shortkey finished the day off. I'm not sure if you, <laughs> you guys, you know, inside the he house. He did not. He did not. <laughs> I know. I think. I think he has a. Uh, yeah. We, no, I did not. I, I did not get his net short position. I, uh, he'll probably. He he said it today. Did he say it on Micro Show today? I think. No, I think he, he said it. I, or I the think call. he may have said it yesterday. I think he said. Um, actually, I, I wrote it down. He said at one point he was, he was negative ten. I think he was negative ten or negative fifteen. I assume it's ten. I, I think he's probably pushing like twenty now, if I had to guess. Yeah, I mean, given the uh, number of RTAs on the board and, and yeah. the double ups, right? The, uh, the um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't have that number yet, but I think it's. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was just curious. Yeah. Yeah. And. Yeah, Robert. Yes. Hi. Hi. Uh, yeah, just to, to follow up on the on the previous comments and uh, particularly on the credit event that Keith is talking about. Do you know how does how this in the past or how does it manifest itself in mortgage rates? What's the impact of a credit event on uh, mortgage rates? Is that uh, do you have any any View on that or historical uh, record? I I don't have the back test handy on mortgage rates, uh, mm. you, you, uh, but yes, no, I don't. Um, I think in in this environment, in terms of what we're anticipating or sort of uh, uh, certainly what we're kind of forecasting, I should say, not really anticipating, but what we're forecasting is okay. you know higher rates for longer, right? So you're kind of going to see elevated, you know, the even the long end of the curve at this point in time, especially where it's you know, remains bullish uh, trade and trend right? That top end is looking at 4.08% as of this morning. Uh, so, you know, that's kind of elevated for longer in this high, you know, on the 30, again, I'm using the 30 year as a proxy, right? So kind of in this, uh, you know, high three to low four range, again, just kind of uh, for the foreseeable future. And what we're uh, kind of forecasting is for these rates to be uh, sticky for longer, just like inflation, uh, is coming in stickier for longer, so the Fed's going to keep battling that. If you, you know, uh, quick comment there, yeah, uh, would be, I mean, if there's going to be a credit event or, or Fed breaks something, well, they'll pivot. That, that you know, systemically, if something happens, they're going to pivot, which they're bring rates down. So probably mortgage rates, you know, would get a little more favorable over time. Would be my comment to that, Robert. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think like if that does, you know, if the pivot does occur, absolutely. Right. That long end of the, or the longer end of the curve is is going to come down. And even in a recessionary environment, you see a similar thing, right, where where the, the bond market will start to price in, you know, kind of that pivot. Right. So that's what we were somewhat seeing at the end of December there or kind of like, I guess, early December. Right. In terms of the, the, the tenure and the overall shift in regards to the signal itself where it went. You know where it went bearish trend um, for what now was a hot minute, <laughs> but you know that was you know that was the the anticipation, right? Is the the kind of uh, the the recession uh, people pricing in the recession and therefore you know pushing down the 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 you know, the ten year or the thirty year uh, yield curve uh, lower and 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 yeah. So I think when that if that starts to happen again, you're going to see a similar type of environment where the two-year kind of stays stickier for higher, right? Or the shorter end of the curve stays stickier um, and, and remains elevated while the longer end of the curve um, starts to uh, move lower. 
Yeah, I think mortgage rates make money on the spread, right? Between the shorter term to the longer one, right? The mortgage, the REITs, right? Is that what you're talking about? Mortgage REITs. Yeah, mortgage REITs. Yeah, they, yes, the yield curve is correct. They, they make the money on that, on that uh, delta. Correct. So if, if the long term stays elevated and sticky, I think uh, uh, this was Arthur's point. You can make a, an argument that they should do well. But I don't know about the short term. Okay, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. No problem. Let's see, you got anything else popping out in your notebook there in Toronto? Yes. We saw that the VIX went down to like a 20 now. Yeah, yeah, low into the risk range, <laughs> that's for sure, right? Yeah. I think uh, Keith probably will talk about it a lot tomorrow. I suspect. Uh, it was a higher low and a lower high this morning uh, in that in that VIX, and uh, we kind of pretty much landed on, you know, a little bit below it, so, you know, that, that goalpost does move, um, but, you know, the... Yeah, I suspect it's pretty much right there in the low end, given the fact that the refresh S&P risk range uh, happened to land pretty much right where we close here at 39.19, right? So uh, those two definitely yeah. correlate with each other. Um, so again, he's going to be running those numbers tonight. But uh, but yeah, definitely keep an eye out on, on what's, what's happening there. Uh, I will say the other signal that I thought was of interest or sort of that, I guess, uh, yeah, popped out on the page or is of interest as of this morning, uh, was the dollar right for the first time uh, mm -hmm. that that low end of the risk range is below uh, you know the trend level you know I have that trend level back from December twentieth uh, and now again we didn't close below that trend level but certainly that risk range low end of the risk range is below it and we haven't had that it's been sort of flirting right around that trend line for for quite a while uh, in terms of low end of the risk range so um, that signal to me or that the, the U S dollar uh, certainly kind of uh, pivoted uh, this morning or, or kind of overnight on, on Monday night. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Jimmy, I see you out there. You got, uh, I don't know if uh, it's probably dinner time for you on, on your side. So if you can't jump up, no problem. Uh, but we'll see. Um, yeah, man. What, uh, what else, uh, what else happened in your world? What are you thinking? Well, I mean, Europe is, I know we're still waiting on, you know, key signal on Europe, but there's, you know, there's a lot that's starting to look, you know, from a math, from a signal point of view, good on the short side that I'm, you know, interested in. I'm being very patient on that end though, but um, obviously Germany, Poland, um, France, all really, you know, primed up for sh shorting, I think at least. Um, Nagas is taking a beating um the uh the vixen is you know it, it, it keeps flirting with the f bucket you know it's like and I, i'm just i'm just that's kind of what I'm, I'm i constantly kind of look at that i know i'm not it's not just one thing but it's you know it, it is something that uh you know is particularly interesting to me you know it's uh hovering around that you know high 27 28 mark um, but yeah, I mean, you know, Keith is, you know, again, signaled that, you know, the VIX is making higher lows. So, you know, volatility is, it's, it's interesting, right? Because it's still, you know, the, the, the VIX is 
very much on the you know borderline investable you know, chop bucket. Um, but then the top of the range is right squarely in the middle of the chop bucket, and yeah, and and the and the vixen is you know kind of just about you know wants to knock on the door on the f bucket. So things could things could change very quickly, right? And that's kind of why I think you know Keith is really lining up. You know, he's really leaning on the short side here. But what, what's your opinion with um, on, on Europe? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> so Europe, right, the DAX went neutral, was that Friday maybe? Uh, no, uh, Monday. So the DAX went neutral Monday. And so that was certainly something that, you know, changed, pivoted overnight for sort of like, you know, this week from, from the weekend work. But, you know, that was kind of, you know, kind of you could see it in terms of the – you know, it's up 17.2% in the last three months. Up, you know, it was up a little under 2% in the last month. And, uh, you know, but, it's, but, you know, if you kind of go back on a, on a longer-term duration, you know, it's still down, you know, 9% in the last year, right? So, um, you know, I think it kind of just, just depends that Europe, Europe, the setup right now, the signal kind of doesn't really totally agree, right? I think you're getting uh, – sorry, I, I, let me clarify that. The – Trend signal agrees. I think the immediate term sort of like trade signal is is sort of, uh, you know, has picked up kind of positive momentum. Uh, again, you know, I, I'm not going down down the, the line in regards to, you know, each one that you listed, uh, Wasim, but, you know, to, to Europe in general, I think is setting up really nicely on the short side. Um, I think yeah. they've got they've got more issues to deal with across the board again if we kind of get into a little bit of the narratives here you know they've got even worse inflation right yeah sure it came down and um and what have you but the the inflation prints are still up in the you know call it you know 20 high 20s range and that kind of thing so um not not so is it not only inflation but like you know so that's stickier that's way stickier for longer um and you know the ecb has been very clear in terms of you know they have a, a very much their sights set on 2% as well. So, you know, that Delta spread between where they currently are and where they're trying to get it to is even worse than, than Powell has it at the fed. Right. So um, that, that to me is, is a big telltale sign. And then on top of that was seeing, I mean, I I kind of rattled off, you know, what's been transpiring on the 10 years across the board that were kind of in, you know, three core core countries in regards to, you know, Switzerland, uh, Germany and, and the UK. Uh, so you're seeing it in the global rates too, right? So I think all those like, you know, big piece uh, underlying components there, um, you know, the equity market kind of isn't really, um, yeah, it's not really, you know, it's, it's, it's having a counter trend move in my opinion, right? So you're getting yeah, some, yeah, exactly. some immediate term trade, yeah. you know, some trade positivity here. Uh, but, you know, the other thing too, to remember is like kind of looking at, and the thousand air effects and I were talking about this uh, yesterday on Monday, um, just in terms of like the components inside of those exchanges, you know, they, it is different than what we have here in the U S uh, in terms of kind of uh, you know, the makeup, right? So whether it's uh, so for instance, like France, right. And has, has some more kind of consumer discretionary um, type uh, you know, type exposure there, especially on, kind of uh, high-end, right? So, you know, like Louis Vuitton, for, or like, uh, sorry, Louis Moet, right? So LVMH, you know, they're in the CAC, you know, the CAC, CAC, CAC 40, um, and that kind mm. of thing, right? So I think, again, it really just depends on the 
ex- like the exchange that you're the indices that you're looking at um and potentially why one of the reasons you know keith you know uh updated his kind of preferred signals strength list and it was you know netherlands and then and then italy on the short side right so i think kind of that pivot again going back to my commentary on, to arthur you know in 2022 it was you know kind of the call it the big boys that that we kind of attacked from the short side right so you know the dax um you know france that kind of thing uh and now we're kind of going you know right now the best single strength are italy and, and the netherlands so you know, look at what's like the underlying components there, you know, the, the financials, like if you look at EUFN on the ETF side, I mean, it's been, it's been nothing, you know, we covered that one in ETF pro a while ago and thank God we did. Cause it's been, you know, it's, it's up on a tear in the last three, three months, uh, right off the lows from 14 back up to almost 19, $19. Right. So, you know, financials on the European side, um, have absolutely rebounded in the last three months, but you know, with rates elevated like they are, and the economies and inflation and the consumer in their situation, you know, what does that look like, right? Like we we are attacking, or you know, we've added back financials XLF and KRE on the short side here, you know, within Hedgeye in the last you know week or two. Um, you know, again, the signal doesn't quite agree there with seen, but I, I, I've got UFN on my very short list for yeah. you know to to kind of you know once it kind of puts in some, you know, a lower high, you know, to kind of go back to the wood there on, uh, on, on the European financials. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm actually happy. And sorry, um, sorry, just to kind of finish up, but then inside of EUFN, you know, you do have a couple of Asian kind of, you know, uh, sort of, you know, Chinese type exposures through Hong Kong, you know, inside of the, the, that ETF and that holding. Right. So this is like, it's a good, it's a good exercise we seem to really kind of evaluate and reiterate like you got to kind of understand, you know, kind of understand what's inside some of these ETFs and what's inside some of these yeah. indices, right? Um, because it's going to influence kind of the signal strength and like where you're hunting. No, for sure. And that's something I'm actually working on is you know, just actually going deep inside each of them and opening them up and, you know, seeing like what's, you know, seeing what's inside of, what's inside and how they're, uh, you know, weighted on a percentage basis, right? It's really important to, to know that. Yeah, yeah, like like ITB for instance, right? Like it's got uh, uh, DR Horton, Lennar, Pulte Group. I think those are the top three, right? And then you know, and then Home Depot is kind of right in there, and at like a, I think it's like a fourish percent position. I'll have to pull it up. So, um, but you know, it's like you know the the core, you know, it is it is squarely in the kind of like the you know Lennar in particular is um, or sorry DR Horton in particular is its biggest holding. And, you know, that signal has been holding in really, really, really nicely, right? So it's kind of mm-hmm. one, you know, the ITB, uh, that's where the XL, XLY, like the consumer discretion, you know, you get Home Depot in that. You also get Tesla, you get Amazon, you know? So, you know, it's one of the reasons, you know, again, it's, there's a reason why it's been a uh, core short since, um, you know, throughout most of 2022 for us and, and remains yep. in 2023, right? Yep. Yeah. And and the I guess the last thing I just wanted to mention was um, um, Keith added uh, Canada EWC as a <laughs> yeah. and, and 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 you know what I was like I was like I was like honestly like waiting for it I'm like man like because I keep like I, I track it a lot and I you know yeah. all the banks and you know I have uh, finance you know um, Josh Steiner's financial okay. um, sub and I'm like you know I'm like it just and I guess now Keith is seeing something you know in in the signal. 
and I follow all the top six banks. And, you know, they've been, you know, they're still holding up quite well. You know, they've been, you know, lately they've been coming down a bit, but I, I guess, you know, with everything that's you know, going on with rates in Canada and, and uh, especially housing, um, I guess, yeah, they, I, I, you know, I guess the signal is now telling him something, right, for him to put it in. So that's, um, yeah, that's just, that's just interesting. That's all. Yes, and you know sometimes it's a little interconnected too, right? Like the Canadian dollar uh, has been pretty has been pretty weak, and, and all yeah, that. And, and although that you know didn't make it to like ETF Pro, it's been something that we've been you know kind of uh, talking a decent amount uh, a decent amount about in the last sort of you know month to two months, and you know that you know the kind of weakness in the in the Canadian dollar versus the U.S. dollar, uh, and then weakness in, 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 in oil. And again, I know the T, you know, I know the TSX is comprised of a decent amount of, you know, Canadian banks as well as sort of some energy and that kind of thing. Right. So, um, I think as you kind of look at the whole holistic picture here in 2023, you know, again, like kind of going beyond Europe, right. Where the, I think this is a, a really critical point in terms of the process where, you know, adjusting kind of where you're going, where, where you're thinking, right. And, and where you're going, you know, pivoting beyond kind of, okay, like, yeah, this is, this is work. And I'm kept, kept, and I've kept going to the wood there in terms of, um, you know, say shorting DAX, right. Uh, well now, now the game's not necessarily it's changed, but it's just the, the signal sort of pivots a bit and you're like, okay, well let's go, you know, we got a global macro, uh, component or kind of yeah, global exactly. macro strategy, right. So yeah. we can go, we can go bloody anywhere, you know, exactly. so it's just a matter of going to go, and find what's what what could could work best and and sort yeah. of has has moved to the downside and I think in terms of the TSX, right? Like it's um, it's down six percent last year, uh, but you know it's up you know four point four percent last three months, right? And down you know almost full percent or point nine basis points. Uh, sorry, point nine percent in last month, right? So it's like it's just on the cusp, right? Even if it just gives back its three months gains, you know that's a good you know that can be a good good place to to go. And then if if oil really breaks down with global demand down uh, and that kind of stuff. And that, that signal continues to be very, very weak as I yeah. in, terms of, in terms of crude, um, you know, all these things kind of start to snowball on each other and, and the dominoes start falling. Exactly. Yeah. And that's exactly what I'm thinking. I'm like, yeah, with, you know, with, uh, with oil getting weaker and yeah. And, 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 and rates and, 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 you know, the whole like credit, uh, um, you know, collapse. I mean, like, Canada seems like, like, you know, like, just like primed for, you know, for at least, you know, more of a come down than it's, than, than, than it, uh, has so far. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Lumber, that's... Yeah. Lumber was added as well. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah. 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 No, yeah. L- uh... Lumber was down. Yeah. Lumber. I think I had, what was down the lot today on the commodity coffee, cotton, cocoa, lumber. Those were some of the big hits today. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, cool. But yeah, that's all. Awesome, man. No, yeah. you're doing a great job. Yeah, go ahead, signal. And noise. You know, <laughs> Robert. You know, I'm from Canada, and housing is a, is a religion for us. Okay, so don't yeah. talk too bad about it. <laughs> <laughs> Especially, and also our big banks. You know, we are. Uh, I know, there's only five of them, or there was, yeah, unless it's another it's five one. Or six. No, I'm just kidding, right? So it's uh, five <laughs> or six, but yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, no, it's it's a different, it's a different type of environment. Again, this is where you know, going back to kind of understanding or sort of, uh, yeah, yeah, just like even if it doesn't have to be again, like with Zim, I know you said you're gonna you know dive deeper in that kind of stuff, but even just sort of 
kind of having a, a very basic understand like basic understanding as like what is the kind of core components and we talked about this a little bit last week or no we talked about this yeah. uh, a decent amount last week in regards to the russell in terms of like the different kind of sector exposures that it has you know just having that kind of like brief knowledge or sort of like you know very um yeah just kind of like high level knowledge it's not brief but like high level knowledge in terms of you know what's the indices make up for of like the CAC 40, right? Or what's the you know what's the difference between the you know the FTSE 100 and the FTSE 300? You know, um, and just sort of having that beyond the U.S. is really important. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, signal. I'm a Canadian boy, so I was born in Toronto. Um, oh. I'm American now, but uh, it was Good for you. Uh, yeah, dual citizen. <laughs> dual citizen. We're stuck here. We're stuck yeah. here with the big six banks, and you know we love them. We love their monopolistic behavior. That's what we like. <laughs> I'm joking. Yeah. I have a question about the process, and maybe sorry, I'm, I'm kind of a bit new to that. But you know, in the RTS that uh, Keith and the team uh, publish, it, is it normally like a trade? Is it? Uh, it has a horizon of three weeks, four weeks, or it's a? Uh, I think. My thought is also invoked by uh, a tweet you had today about the fact that you took too short of an option or something like that. Oh, me? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I want to know in general, is the RTA, does the RTA, you know, is it that, supposed to be a short term, a trade type of uh, horizon or, or longer? Yeah, uh, yes. Uh, I mean, yes and no, right? Oh. So if you... So just for full transparency, that short-term trade option had nothing to do with any RTAs. That was me being okay. an idiot on on the S and P, and uh, putting on a put option like midday. When I, anyway, it doesn't matter. But um, okay, yeah, I just I just screwed that screwed the pooch there. Um, I should have waited till the close, and so uh, and and because I was anyway, yeah, I don't need to get into but what I, was, I don't need to get into what I was doing. But basically, let's go. No, no, let's consider the the RTA on Amazon today, for example. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you so, so if you pull that out, you'll see there's a column there for duration, uh, and we get and we talk through like trade trend and tail. Yeah. So that is a you know so that is again kind of like our that's the communication in terms of like hey this is something where we're short and we you know we're kind of short this or we see this kind of transpiring oh. over that duration time frame. But RTAs in general are much quicker in terms of or can be quicker in regards to kind of the, uh, they're definitely more on a trade duration or like an immediate term okay. price action. And really it's, it's Keith um, helping to showcase and, and sort of communicate to, um, you know, Hedger Nation sort of what, what inventory out there amongst all the thousands of ETFs or, you know, hundreds of, you know, whatever, like thousands of, of companies, you know, what is at the top end of the range, again, I'm, I'm talking short term, yeah, you mentioned Amazon, like what, what's at the top end of the risk range, you know, what's, what's, you know, basically great signals, uh, top of the range and where, you know, he, he would, you know, where he's communicating, um, taking, you know, executing in terms of a timing standpoint, you know, when that should happen. Right. So, uh, yeah, that, that's kind of the RTA. Yeah. Yeah, I think no, I know, but in the in the email I see here coaching notes one two three and so on, mm -hmm. and then KM under it it says duration, and there are three red bars. Is that? Yep. Yep. What it's supposed to say? Yeah. Okay. So that's that's the trade trend and tail. So trade is three weeks or less. Trend is um, three months or more, and tail is uh, three years or more. 
but all of them are red. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's like that's the dura- that's that's the long that's like the general duration for that. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like this is yes, but again, I mean that Amazon might you know he might cut you again if we're down on CPI day. Well, I'm just making it up, right? Like you know if we're if we're pos- if he sees something change in that signal within Amazon, you know he'll either cover it even perhaps at a loss, depending on what, what transpires. Quickly, yeah. 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 Okay. Cool. All right, well, we're pushing up on, on kind of an hour here. You know, I see a, a few new faces out there. Uh, Turtle Cap, I see you out in the crowd. Welcome, my friend. Uh, for those that, that haven't been paying attention, he and uh, Jimmy Runs Money, uh, they started a bit of a – not a bit. They started a little bit of a, a, a podcast. I said that twice, Turtle. I'm sorry. Uh, they started a podcast series um, via YouTube, and you know you won't believe it, but the the Cali boy from from from, aka Turtle Cat, is a the beautiful blonde haired boy. Uh, so anyway, it's a, it's a good little video series. They launched uh, episode two, I think, over the weekend. Uh, Turtle, I saw it, and uh, so yeah, so go check those guys out um, as well. Jimmy Runs Money obviously speaks up here. Uh, quite frequently so just want to give those guys a, a quick shout out and that kind of thing they're both uh, advisors building their business out in the west coast uh so turtle down in uh, southern cal and, and jimmy moved up to uh pacific northwest but uh anyway um just wanted to, to shout those guys out they've been big friends of the program for a long long time and that kind of thing but uh why don't we open it back up if uh, anybody's got any other questions in the crowd uh commentary i know we've covered kind of a lot tonight um, kind of as we push up on this hour mark, otherwise we can kind of keep it tight. Palmer's probably working out. Leslie, I see you out there. I mean, so many, Tim. Anyway, lots of friendly faces. Appreciate y'all. Uh, anybody that's going to be in Miami, um, I am flying in on Sunday afternoon, uh, going out. Wednesday afternoon, so anybody that's going to be in Miami uh, on January 24th for the regional conference, um, just like in Dallas, we will be kind of getting together a bit of an informal component there uh, for kind of breakfast and that kind of stuff on on the Wednesday. Uh, sorry, post breakfast, but you know, we uh, it was a really great conversation we had um, after Dallas. We kind of got together and talk process talks talks uh, in that case it was sort of focused on on some options trading from um from a existence you know from existing subscriber that kind of thing so really good conversations there one of the best parts about the regional conferences is getting to meet like-minded folks um like folks in this space is called but in person and uh sometimes over a cocktail or over coffee that kind of thing and uh, really just talking through process talking through um everything about being uh, trustworthy, accountable, transparent, executing in the market, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, they're a lot of fun. Tim, welcome, my friend. Speaking of Florida. How's it going, Robert? I'm good, buddy. How are you? Man, I am uh, halfway between El Paso and Pecos, uh, cut, <laughs> catching, a, catching a frack job and uh, catching a notebook review. So uh, I love it. Pretty good stuff, man. I love it, buddy. I love so, it. So, you know, one of, the, one of the things we talked about intermittently, and, man, it's, it just keeps coming back as I look back at the way I trade and the way I see uh, other people trade, or, you know, at least what they put on Twitter and other things. 
the difference between being right and making money. Um, and so, you know, the, the, the being right, the quads are the guide, and we kind of have a good feel for where this thing's going. Um, the being right is, is the hedge eye process is really good for that. And, and the RTAs help you with some of the tactical timing. Um, but one of the things that, you know, over the last year that I've really identified is, you know, not getting sucked into my own narrative um, but trying to be more dispassionate with the numbers. Um, and, you know, the moments like moments like these where the whole, you know, maybe on the open, you you thought, oh, okay, this is it. It's going to it's gonna do one thing. And then so you didn't cover some uh, and you didn't take some off the table. So it made reshorting uh, the, the, what was a pretty minuscule bounce today even more painful. Um, so, you know, that balance between being right and making money, sizing correctly, you know, I, I, I love a, a really robust discussion about sizing correctly because, you know, you don't, you can't just do an even increment and just, you know, there are times to execute. Like today, you know, was not a day to do nothing and Friday wasn't a day mm -hmm. to do nothing. Um, but there are times when you should execute much more incrementally. So can you talk us through your process on how you do that? And maybe any feedback you've got from the head drive team on how to, how to, how do you, how to press in these moments of maybe accelerated clock time, um, in, in the market, um, any, any kind of feedback you guys have there? Cause that's one of the things as I've looked back over the last year, you know, I, I was directionally correct a lot. <laughs> But but yeah. uh, the timing makes a huge difference, especially if you're utilizing any kind of any kind of uh, derivatives. Yeah, yeah, and I'd love to open that. This is a this is, this is a great question, uh, Tim. So thank you for setting up. Um, I'd love to open it up to to the floor here. We got plenty of plenty of room for speakers and that kind of thing. So you know anybody who's got some commentary around that, um, this should really go beyond just me because I am just one person. You know Keith is even just one person in terms of how he executes his process. Um, so yeah, let's get this, let's get this conversation rolling. This is, this is a great question, uh, Tim, and, and certainly, uh, one that's very applicable, uh, tonight here. Um, so yeah, so Wasim, I'll, uh, I'll pass the puck to you and then, then I can, um, give my two cents as folks come up. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. So Tim, yeah, you know what, this is something I've honestly been working a lot on, uh, especially in the short side. It's a, you know, it's all about, um, it's all about size i mean sizing and when right like when you short it and then how much you short it uh you know initial position and then incrementally you know so obviously the basics is obviously like you know you're you're um, your mask but but for me what's helped me a lot is i built a um a kind of what i call a trading allocation calculator on excel and it basically makes it like mindless so i don't have to think right so because i don't because there's so much to think about and so this uh, trading allocation calculator that I've built just helps me, you know, it basically essentially defines, you know, all my longs, um, like longs, shorts within FX, fixed income, equities, commodities, single stocks, uh, and then options, right? So FX being the biggest options being the lowest uh, max allocation. And then my min and my max, and then, and then, how, and then I'll also, um, I'll have like incrementally. So if I'm, if I'm shorting something, like I typically won't short anything uh, less than 25 basis points, 
and then nothing more than 50 basis points. But I want those numbers there, right? So depending on, you know, um, the pile that I'm playing with, um, you know, I'll have everything kind of pre-calculated and that helps me make decisions. Uh, it just helps me yeah, like just like quickly make decisions uh, without having to like have any feelings or emotions about it. And because one thing that I used to do is like I used to, ma- you know, get to max way too quickly, right? Again, I got the direction right, but if I maxed out too quickly, I don't have enough bullets to w- for when I really need them on a day that, you know, I didn't think the market go- could go up anymore. And so that is something that um, has helped me like a-, a lot is just like having, focusing on how much incremental, right? Leave yourself enough bullets. That's, you know, a, a, a key thing, right? And so like, don't just go willy nilly and just be like, you know, oh, you know, today feels like I, I want to go like, I want 100 basis points or 200 basis points. Like you're going to get, you're going to get screwed. Right. And so that's just something for me that's uh, helped me a lot. It's just having everything pre-programmed like that's Yeah, that's all. I saw Palmer jumped up, but I think we lost him. Excuse me. So um, we, so again, yeah. So Tim, uh, Wasim, that's, freaking awesome and i think uh you know that excel sheet sounds sounds amazing so well done there uh, i think a lot of folks could could leverage something similar like that to take the guesswork out of the equation in regards to okay here here am i define you know rules yeah. right and then here's how i execute. robert hey, hey Paul, Paul, yeah. are you there buddy I, yeah i'm here can you hear me okay yeah i can yeah can. I, I was going to comment a little bit on that i, I have very similar yeah, let's do it um approach to what was was talking about i I built, I just call it my Excel trading tool. And, and what it does is it, I have all my sectors broken down on it. And I use, of course, I use bridge bands on posi- positions that, you know, we don't have risk ranges on. And it actually will calculate the positions. Well, hey, Palmer, do you use those inside trading view primarily? No, I, um, I use oh. Thinkorswim. Um, Got it. Okay. So you- um, and then okay. uh, I, I, manually populate that sheet every day um, with either the new risk ranges from Keith or the bridge bands. And then I use multiple different uh, oversold and overbought indicators that kind of help me decide when to buy. And that Excel tool calculates the location of the position in reference to the risk range. So then I have a basic rule for how much I'll buy of a position. So like if it's a long and it's about if it's fully what I view is fully um, oversold and it's within about 30 to 40% of the bottom of the range and I'll buy just 25 basis points. And as it gets closer, um, I'll increase my, my purchasing size. So if it's within just 10% of the bottom of the risk range, it's 50 basis points. And if it gets all the way down to the bottom or breaks through it, um, usually I'll buy a hundred basis points. And then that, that Excel tool also calculates the max position sizing and it also tells me what a 25 basis point purchase is. It also tells me what 15 basis point purchase is because there's times that I'll just barely touch a position. And that kind of keeps me within um, some general rules. And sometimes I don't follow my own rules and get myself in trouble, but that's usually the way I approach it. And it, it, it does, as Wasim said, it really does take some of the thinking out of it. It becomes more uh, mechanical and, in nature, um, you're just following a rules process. You're not really thinking as much. So, 
No, that's helpful, Andrew. So you're using the bridge bands and, and position and range to give you a clue as to when to press. Are you are you using any other indicators on when to really press more aggressively a position? And then and then on the flip side, when it reverses, when to take it off? The I don't touch it until either either my oversold or, or overbought indicators tell me that it's fully one way or the other. Um, the directional changes sometimes some one of the things I've kind of struggled with figuring out exactly what to do. Um, you know, cause sometimes things just move against you. That's something I'm still kind of trying to hone a little bit, but haven't quite polished that off yet. Um, so. Thanks, Palmer. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that absolutely makes sense. I appreciate that, Palmer. Yeah, and and so what I'll add there is I think patience, right? It's like easy easy to say, easy to say patience. Uh, but sometimes meetings can be your friend, right, in terms of getting caught up or traveling, right? Like you, Tim, right now, you're, uh, so, you know, traveling. It can be your friend, you know. It, it, can, it can cause you to be away from the screen for a little bit of time. Um, so you're not sort of just staring there trying to be like, I, I don't, you know, basically, you know, in your head going, I don't understand how we're, you know, pushing towards the top end of the range. I, I'm going to execute. Right. So, um, again, just anecdotally, it's basically what happened to me today. I, 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 I missed sort of covering some puts that when it, when the S and P went down to that, that, uh, 386 range. And then I came back, you know, got out of my meeting kind of around noon or whatever and missed it. And then I was like, shit, okay, I got to got to figure out what I want to do here. So rolling those and, and just being impatient. Right. So, you know, just kind of understanding what, 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 what option, well, again, on the derivative side, like what options are, are, do you have in the portfolio? Right. Are they, you know, zero dated, you know, three, three days away, 13 days, 10 days, 64 days, whatever it is. Right. Um, you know, and, and just kind of understanding why you're getting into that position what what's the the point of leveraging those right uh you know keith talks about this all the time in terms of kind of the the rank order of things right so going you know shorting the underlying security itself first um and then using the derivatives to augment that position rather than going you know directly for those you know those derivatives i think if if uh, again again tim i'm not saying that you're because I know you're not new to options trading, but for anybody that's kind of listening in. But I am a complete sort of thinking degenerate, about kind of... so those two things offset <laughs> <Yeah>. each other. <laughs> exactly. I, I, we, I've, I've joked many a time that I think if I ever create an ETF, it's probably going to be uh, degen. Uh, but, but yeah, uh, but uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> that's a whole other conversation for another day. But the yeah, so the, the derivatives, right, in terms of what, what you're, you know, what are you trying to accomplish, you know, leveraging those and that kind of thing. Right. right. So, um, you know, I think everybody in, in terms of, you know, making, you know, being right, making money, you know, those are two different, you know, again, those are, that's something that's very easy to, to say. Uh, sometimes a lot of like patience is like, can be very challenging to execute. Right. So, um, you know, that, that's, uh, you know, what, what I kind of do just, again, this is, it's not really rule of thumb, but you know, I, for instance, on, on Friday, right, you get that kind of first move higher. Um, you know, I dip my toe in incrementally there in regards to, you know, whatever action I want to do, right? So, like, in this case, on Friday, I was shorting, but maybe it's, you know, the reverse in a quad two environment and and you get sort of some, you know, big spike or volatility spike and, and you want to be buying, right? So, right. you know, what I often do is I kind of wait 
like skip a day almost right so like i did very little action actually uh yesterday yesterday man it's uh i keep thinking I'm, we're wednesday i guess it's because we normally have this call on a wednesday uh but so yesterday i did very very little um and and really kind of got much more aggressive into the close uh kind of at the and, and again patiently and i got lucky today too because i had a bunch of meetings um so in the afternoon i really was away from my desk from kind of, you know, 12.45 till about three o'clock. So yep. I came back and, and I saw what was happening on the screen and and really kind of just sort of patiently kind of, you know, dipped my toe in kind of, uh, you know, going in that last sort of 20 minutes of the trading day, which, which again, you know, we'll see. We'll see what, what transpires there. But, um, you know, that, that I think can be, you know, there's a whole kind of three-day three day rule type thing that a lot of folks might might talk about. Um, again, we're much more kind of math and data driven. So, you know, I, I know we all leverage the risk range and that kind of thing. So, you know, Keith says it all the time in terms of, you know, when, when you, when you least expect it, you'll get the top end of the range or, or the bottom end of the range. <laughs> yeah. I think that's, I think that's like really, really critical. Um, and when you're using the derivatives, you really want to try to have those, those extreme moments, right. And take advantage of them. Right. Uh, and I think that's something, again, that I'm trying to, again, I, I mentioned this last week and, you know, Jimmy asked, you know, what's, what's sort of something that you're working on in 2023 from a, or, you know, I guess a resolution standpoint. And, and for me, it's options trading. I just, I fucking suck at it. Uh, it's like, and, and so I, and it's something where it's like, you know, I just should be a lot better at it because I understand the mechanics. I, I get how they work. I just, I just freaking stick. Um, so I need to, I need to keep, I need to keep going through the reps and keep going through all that kind of stuff. And, and again, like exactly what I just talked about, you know, staying patient and using and using the options really for those extreme moments, like, like Palmer just mentioned in terms of like that oversold overbought situation and same with Wasim, um, and, and kind of using those as that, that, the, that kind of like last resort or like, holy moly, can't believe it. We're at 39 you know, thirty nine nineteen. No, that's that's helpful, and and options are tough because, but depending on whether you're using them to express a trade trend or tail view, your your op- right. your opportunity to catalyze a, a a gain can can be really short. And and if you and you know, in, in second down in Tim's notebook of lessons from twenty twenty two is if you have a gain, take it, <laughs> because especially in an options trade, you know. The way we're in the top bucket, right? So you should expect, if you see the bottom of the range, that you're going to pretty soon see the top end of the range. So you better catalyze your gains. Yep. That was the other thing. I, I get so mad because, anyway, we don't have to go into like This doesn't need to be Robert's, like, fucking bitching session. But I was up, like, 30% in the close yesterday in that option. And then today, you know, thinking that was a hot shot, I just let it roll. Yeah. You know, anyway, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> a little bit of a theta burn there, Robert? Uh, Oh, just a, just a smidgen, just a smidgen, Tim. Uh, <laughs> I see you're paying me. I got some Nomex. I'll send it over. <laughs> All right, perfect. I appreciate it. Um, perfect. Anybody else out there? Got Tim? That's some uh, good question. I, you know, think again the the timing, the sizing, and I talk about this a lot. It's it's something that's very very. It's probably probably one of the hardest. You know, one of the like the hardest thing out of the gate is getting up to speed in terms of just understanding the process, putting in the time and the effort and the, continu- the continuation of that time and effort on a weekly, daily basis. Uh, but then when you get up to speed, um, you know, I think that the timing and, and sizing of those positions um, is the kind of like next phase in terms of, you know, quote, unquote, pain points, right? Because, 
you know, even on the sizing side, right? Like, um, you know, if you're incrementally or if you're at your max right now, uh, going into the close today or close to it, you know, it's like, how, you know, what, what, what are your options, right? In terms of, okay, if I'm at my max and I'm at my max kind of like, excuse me, in that short positioning, you know, what that's, it's, it's kind of, you know, the only, only way to change that is to either, you know, buy an underlying asset, right? So like get, get longer your longs or, or cover some of your shorts. Uh, and Tim, you're, you're I think, uh, I think it might've been Palmer or, or I can't remember who said this, but, you know, covering your short kind of a earlier in the morning, you know, so you, you know, free up some capital or free up some room in, into, you know, from an execution standpoint, I think, again, like that, that goes to just understanding what's inside of your portfolio and, and your current positioning. And, and for me, that transpires kind of like, in the evening or really after the close, right? I spend kind of 30 to 45 minutes just going through the, the positionings that I have on to better understand kind of like the portfolio construction and makeup and where I need to maybe pivot, right? So if like a signal, so for instance, like consumer, consumer staples is a good example, right? XL, XLP put in a lower load this morning. And, you know, that's one where, you know, I, I got more aggressive on my sales um, in the last couple of days because I was much bigger coming into that than I really wanted to be, um, right? So I was sitting at about a three, three and a half percent position on XLP. Um, and I really wanted that significantly smaller uh, just because of the signal strength that I was seeing and sort of some of the, that lower low to me is a, is a first mover kind of um, – or sorry, not first mover, but is a first move indication, I guess, of sort of just a little bit of uh, signal weakness happening. And so I just wanted to be conscientious of that, especially given the other components of things like fixed down at the low end of the risk range and SP at the top of the range, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I think all those kind of play a factor. And sometimes you got to augment, like if you, to, to Palmer's point, if you sometimes, you know, sell typically at 15 to 25 basis points, sometimes depending on your positioning and what you're seeing in the signal, you got to kind of alter that and, and factor that in in terms of uh, what you're doing inside the portfolio to to get get better constr uh, construction within it. Okay, uh, Robert. Yeah, I, I have a comment about the options. You know, we talked so much about it. Uh, you know, <laughs> I don't know if I'm the right guy to answer your question, Signal. <laughs> no, no, no. I, but there are, that's why there is so many people here, right? Exactly. Somebody. Exactly. Yeah. We'll, yeah. we'll crowdsource this bad boy. Yes. But my point is, uh, you know, we, we mentioned before, let's take it the RTS, right? They are normally trade, you know, three weeks, four weeks, something along around that. And Keith talks a lot about options uh, being a very small part of his portfolio, half a percent, one percent or whatever, right? Very small. But could you not, uh, like, Express, let's talk about an RTA now. Express an RTA in terms of options. Uh, like, it's, why, why is it like such a small percentage? You could, ex for example, the Amazon RTA that we got today sell at 89, something like that it was, right? You remember at three o'clock? Uh, you could express it as a, say, a put spread over three weeks, the spread being the width of the the width of the risk range. I mean, that's just a, a way to express something. That's my comment. 
Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I think so from a sizing standpoint, just so you're aware, the that percentage sizing is per yes. asset or per security, right? So it's called 50 yeah. basis points of capital uh, for yeah. Amazon in this example, right? Um, so yeah. that is, that is, that is, that's, so that's the sizing side. Uh, and the reason that, because the reason for that is because volatility, the volatility component, uh, the, the, you know, the underlying volatility component is incredibly high within an option, right? So, uh, but yeah, I mean, you could definitely, you can, you know, I know there's many folks here that, um, you know, I, saw, I see John Weeks out there and, the, and he's a good buddy of mine. And, and I know he, he plays options all the time. Uh, there's many here that do it, right? And then express RTAs in some, you know, sometimes, in some, some way, you know, sometimes via, via um, you know, the derivatives market in that regard. So, yeah, no, you're definitely, you know, again, it's all about kind of what you're comfortable with, time horizon, you know, risk profile, um, all that kind of stuff, right? This is where, you know, Hedgeye is about giving you tools and, and helping augment your process so that you can execute at the highest level uh, for your portfolio and what you're trying to accomplish. Um, so, yeah, so I think that's, uh, yeah, that's about it. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad. It, yeah. 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 That's my process. Totally. In some way. Yeah, yeah, no, no, that makes sense. Um, Yeah, it makes sense. X2, welcome, my friend. I see you jumped up as a speaker. How you doing, Robert? I'm good, man. How are you? Hanging in there. (laughs) Good, good. So I got a question for you. Um, Yeah, let's go. What would you say, in your opinion, is the ticker that is closest to changing trend? Either from you know from bullish to bearish or bearish to bullish. Sorry, X two. Could you could you repeat that, buddy? I I I lost I lost you. My my headphones actually died. So sorry about that, man. No, no, no problem. So the question is, which which ticker, in your you know in your opinion or your signal or whatever, do you think is the most likely to change trend, the soonest? Either uh, way, bullish, bearish, bearish, bullish. Yeah, so I think uh, what was, and I don't know if you were on earlier, but the uh, I'm paying very close attention to um, the DAX risk range that we get every day, where it went neutral yesterday for the first time. Uh, I'm very interested to see where, you know, whether when that pivots to either bullish or perhaps goes back to bearish. I think, I think Europe in general, especially what we're seeing again, the a lot of a lot of the setup here is somewhat dependent on on the US dollar and it getting off its ass um, and and or slash aka holding trend uh, line which it is doing and and because you know in a quad four environment the dollar is one of the, you know is a key driver of a quad four right um, so I think you know that that to me and 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 what's transpiring with sort of the euro and where it keeps probing the top end of the risk range, uh, holding trend, right? So, you know, remains bearish trend there. Um, but that component where DAX went neutral, I think it's kind of interesting. And where it, you know, the inside, if you kind of look at what, you know, the makeup inside the DAX, right? Um, yeah, there's just, there's just some components there that I think, you know, industrials, for instance, is, you know, ha- you know is basically has been a leader. Um, kind of in, in regards to, hold on, let me just pull it back up so I'm not misquoting. 
uh, yeah, XLIs, you know, up 2.63% last week, uh, 2.44% last month, right? So, you know, industrials, materials, um, you know, those, those again, th- those are, have had near term or immediate term sort of bounces um, and, and really kind of has been, you know, pretty strong in the last sort of uh, couple of months. And anyway, so yeah, so the DAX to me is, is one that I'm watching very closely. Cool. Yeah. I, I think the other one too, sorry, just to expand on that in terms of US, and I know you kind of focus a decent amount on the US side. Um, I'm really interested to see kind of what what transpires. You know, we're getting, again, like I mentioned, the consumer staples lower low, right? I'm not saying that's going to, you know, move, you know, bearish trend at all. But if we get some increased vol component, um, you know, what does that look like from a U.S. equity standpoint, right, across the board? You know, do, do we get back into a situation like we saw in, you know, call it Q2 of last year, where we really had very little that we can invest in? Um, and do we get a situation like that again? Or do we get a continuation of a quad four environment where you have components um, within multiple asset classes that remain investable, right? Um, so that's a piece too. Again, if you kind of think a little bit further out beyond just this immediate term, um, and kind of okay, let's let's think about what does VIX look like at twenty seven, twenty eight, you know, let alone thirty two, right? And and you know, what does the portfolio construction look like in that environment versus where we sit here at twenty one? Because we've been we've been lucky that we've been at the low end of the chop bucket for quite a while um, in the VIX, right? So, you know, it's been been a minute since we've had to deal with even just, you know, the what last month the top end is was around twenty five, um, you know. So it's going to be interesting. That's for sure. Did you see one other thing I sent you? Uh, um... On your DM, the uh, that tweet about the volume and the cues today. Yeah, you saw it. I haven't actually had a chance. I didn't look. I didn't see it yet. No. It just says there was only one day last year with lower volume than today in the queues. And that was <laughs> I saw somebody. After Thanksgiving. I, I mean, that's amazing. I saw somebody quote today that the volume was equivalent to like basically Christmas. Christmas week or something, or like or like the yeah. day before Christmas, like the twenty fourth, um, or not the twenty fourth. It was the twenty what twenty third, I guess uh, this year, um, something like that. So uh, I I knew, and I was seeing volume. I mean, volume was like abysmal, but I didn't realize it was that bad. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Anyway, just out. Yeah. Anyway, appreciate it. Yeah. 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 So that was a very long winded way of saying Europe. Europe and the dollar. I mean, the dollar is really going to drive a lot here, right? Um, Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's it's interesting. Yeah, we're in an interesting spot with the dollar. Yeah, tell me about it. (laughs) (laughs) I know, I know, you play the FX market, so. uh, But yeah, the again, I said this earlier, but for anybody who's kind of new, that loan end of the risk range today was definitely one to be circling. On the dollar, it was the first time it, it was below trend. Um, yeah, so definitely one on two handle, yeah. Yeah, exactly. First time, first time. Uh, so definitely something to be paying attention to. Yeah. And then the big lower high in China too. So. Yeah. Um, perfect. All right. Thanks, Robert. Appreciate. All right, it. absolutely, buddy. No, appreciate appreciate you.
All right, so we'll uh, you know, maybe one more, one other question. If anybody's up here on the panel, if anybody's got anything on their brain or um, in the crowd out there, I know we've got a few few new folks. Otherwise, we can kind of wrap it up. I think we've touched base on pretty much everything I wanted to talk about. Thanks, too. That was a good question, though. You know, oh, sorry, Tim. Go ahead. I was going to say, if we're going to finish off, if we're going to be completely degenerate, we need to come up with all the good reasons why you should go long natural gas into this terrible chart. <laughs> I, I I don't even – so, Tim, you start off with a really, really good question. I don't even know if I – I don't even know if I can – I mean, that <laughs> – I just can't. I mean, that signal is so bad right it's now. It's terrible, man. It's terrible. It's so bad. So bad, and, I, and hey, for all my brethren in the industry, man, I want it to go up, but uh, it's not going to happen. At least not right now. Yeah, yeah, the <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Anybody who made money on cold, aka the inverse ETF of of that, um, I'd be taking some profits <laughs> if you haven't already. <laughs> but it just it keeps probing low into the risk range. The good news for for me in 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 the Northeast is we use heat, heating oil in the uh, to heat the house, uh, and that's that's luckily kind of come down in price a little bit too. So um, not that not that they are correlated whatsoever, but just in terms of heating your home with nat gas. Um, yeah. Anyway, but yeah, natty gas. The the copper again. I mean, uh, we kind of talked about this earlier, but but copper is a bit of an anomaly. You know, again, like you know, there's a lot of narratives out there about China demand, blah blah blah. Uh, I hate narratives, as you all know, um, but all I can say is, you know, signal moving to bullish, bullish trend. Uh, that happened last week. What day was that? Uh, maybe the fifth? No. That might happen. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But it's been bullish trend for about a week or so. Um, yeah, that that's one that's certainly standing out. X2 in terms of like, hey, huh, this is uh, something looks a little bit different than, than the others because, you know, commodities – in general, you know, again, like if our outlook is quad four, uh, you know, commodities across the board really should, uh, you know, there shouldn't be really many, if if any, in uh, in bullish trends. So it'll be interesting to see kind of what uh, what transpires there across the board. All right. Well, another great conversation tonight. So thank you everybody for joining in on. A bit of a, a quasi impromptu evening, um, but uh, thought that was a pretty pretty great session as usual. Um, if we have time, if I have time, we might do maybe do a double episode this week, either to either tomorrow or, or Thursday. I'm thinking maybe Thursday night. Uh, we do kind of uh, another episode, do do a double episode this week. You know, post CPI, see how things stand going into going into Friday, but. Um, you know, beginner's guides, a lot of prep. So it kind of depends on how, uh, how productive or how, uh, prepared I am for a beginner's guide on Friday morning, to be perfectly frank with you. Uh, so let's, uh, let's put that as a little DVD. Uh, but beginner's guide is at 1130 on Friday and I'm actually going to be sitting down with Andrew Friedman, um, our sector head for, uh, communications on Thursday in the arena, also at 1130. Uh, so we're going to be going through kind of his coverage list, his process, that kind of stuff uh, should be a really good conversation. Going to be doing uh, those regularly on Thursdays, 
here moving forward at 1130 with different sector heads. So uh, look for more of that. It's going to be a lot of fun conversations. I know uh, Freebird's been on here on Spaces uh, pretty regularly throughout, uh, well, from the beginning. Um, we all love him um, here within, well, we love all of our sector analysts. But, uh, yeah, so it should be a really fun combo on, on Thursday. And then, as I mentioned earlier, Miami Regional, January 24th. If you haven't gotten your ticket yet, uh, highly recommend it. You know, it's a lot of these type of conversations. I met Tim in person in Dallas um, and many, many others uh, there in Dallas and, and certainly Hedge Eye Live back in May. Um, but phenomenal conversations across the board. I see David Salem's out in the audience. Uh, what a pleasure to have him listen in. And, you know, he was, uh, we were speaking this week. Um, so I look for, you know, really looking forward and, you know, post, uh, I think, trend uh, mentioned last week, you know, trying to have a conversation with him. Uh, so that looks like that's going to be happening at some point here in the near future. So really excited to get, you know, a bit of a one-on-one with Edge Nation uh, with David Salem um, very soon. So lots of fun stuff happening here um, and appreciate everyone's time and energy and all the conversation this, uh, this evening. So appreciate it guys. Uh, thank you very much. And we will rock and roll soon. This presentation is informational only. None of the information contained herein constitutes an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any security or investment vehicle, nor does it constitute investment recommendation or legal, tax, accounting, or investment advice by Hedgeye or any of its employees, officers, agents, or guests. This information is presented without regard for individual investment preferences or risk parameters and is general, non-tailored, non-specific information. This content is based on information from sources believed to be reliable. Hedgeye is not responsible for errors, inaccuracies, or omissions of information. The opinions and conclusions contained in this report are those of the individual expressing those opinions and conclusions and are intended solely for the use of Hedgeye subscribers and the authorized recipients of the contents. All investments entail a certain degree of risk, and financial instrument prices can fluctuate based on several factors, including those not considered in the preparation of the content. Consult your financial professional before investing. The information contained herein is protected by United States and foreign copyright laws and is intended solely for the use of its authorized recipient. Access must be provided directly by Hedgeye. Redistribution or republication is strictly prohibited. For more detail, please refer to the Terms of Service at Hedgeye.com slash Terms of Service. Don't forget to check out Hedgeye.com to get more actionable investing insights from our team of more than 40 research and and check us out on Twitter at our handle, at Hedgeye.